Hello and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin. I'm here with my partner, the king of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how are you today? How you doing, Eric? Another fine, uh, fine week of uh, podcast and uh, ready to spew our horse racing intelligence on whoever cares to listen to us spew our <laughs> knowledge. So um, great, great to see see and hear from you again. Um, your summer is almost over. Any, um, <laughs> what's going on with your real job of teaching these days? Well, I haven't been in the classroom since mid-March. I guess we were out. And um, it sounds like it's possible we'll go back in September, maybe limited class size, not really sure. But it's kind of felt like I've been off for a few months, even though we were teaching from home. It wasn't as taxing as going in every day, getting up at 5 a.m. So uh, I'm actually ready to go back. It's been a long time. As much as I love handicapping seven days a week almost, I feel like a professional handicapper. It would be nice to uh, to get back to the real job too. So soon enough, well, we hope. Speaking of handicapping, um, this week we decided to, we, a number of our listeners uh, requested that uh, we uh, divulge into uh, speed, closers, pace, uh, how, what part of that is in our handicapping forte. And, um, I'm going to start it off by saying if that's kind of the, the overall, uh, aspect of handicapping that I look at right from the start, because, you know, the old adage pace makes the race, you're going to be able to look at hopefully the past performances that are available to you and determine how much speed is in the race, uh, if it's going to be a quick pace, figure if there's only uh, loan speed in the race, or if there's too much speed and you figure it sets up for a closer. So for me, that, that's key because a lot of times you'll look at a horse that might uh, show speed and sometimes he goes wire, and sometimes uh, he's only leading to the second call and then quits bad. And uh, that's where the replays come in handy. You, you look, and uh, sometimes the times can tell you that it, it was a quick pace up front, and that's why that, that speed horse that needs the lead uh, just, you know, gave up. You know, that's the one thing with speed horses. You really shouldn't talk yourself off a horse saying, oh, you know, last time against this crew – uh, he, he led and then he lost, you know, ran, ran eighth by 13 lengths. Well, you know, a knowledgeable jock knows that once the horse gets headed, uh, the horse is, you know, it's, it's not worth using up the horse in, in the stretch to get fifth or sixth. So with speed horses, I kind of throw, throw that out that, oh, you know, something must have went wrong. So, uh, again, it, it's a big handicapping angle as far as I'm concerned. And especially if I can find what I figure might be lone speed or the reverse, uh, there's a ton of speed in the race, which would set up for a, a closer or any horse. I, I, I've looked at races. I'm mean, like, has there, has any horse in this race, shown that they can pass a horse, you know, even if it's they're laying second or third. And when you get into that situation of finding maybe one horse that is lone speed or one or two horses that 
will benefit from uh, a fast pace and majority horses trying to get the lead. That's, that's a bonus for me. And that's where a lot of my singles come in when uh, we're talking uh, pick fives, pick sixes, pick fours or whatever. Uh, I find those type of uh, handicapping angles, loan speed or too much speed sets up for a closer. That's where I'll, I'll be confident in order to single. Um, what about you, Eric? Yeah, it's funny because we, we differ so much in so many of our, our beliefs and our strategies. It's, it's hard to believe that, you know, we both are, are doing a show together here. I, I don't look That's as much. Good. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's a good thing. thing. Definitely. Because you know what? If we, if we both had the same attitude, <laughs> it's, it's, it's no good because, you know, uh, you might as well just do it by yourself if uh, you have a partner who um, had the same thing. So No, it's but, good. Uh, and, and I learned from that. I'm hoping our, our listeners can get a chance to learn. I'm sure a lot of them know a lot about horses and handicapping, but just trying to help them out as best we can. Um, for, for me, when I'm looking at a race, I don't look that much at the projected pace. And I think part of that is that I'm in New York and you're in Maryland. And I know that sounds silly. What, what's the difference? What state you're in? New York, for whatever reason, you hear Andy Serling saying this all the time, the riders just don't show speed. They just won't go most of the time. That's why someone like Kendrick Carmouche wins 10, 12% of the races when the mounts he has probably should only yield about 5% because he's aggressive. Uh, Jose Ortiz is more aggressive than most of the riders, and that's one reason he shot up in the standings. And they're the greatest riders around. The colony in New York is awesome. But it's so hard to judge a pace. Just, uh, was it yesterday at Saratoga? We're recording this on Thursday. Uh, I wish I remembered the name of the horse in the race, but it looked like there might be a lone speed. And sure enough, it was a different horse on the lead, and the lone speed was like third, strangled back. Uh, Winifred J, that might have been Sunday, was another race where it looked like Winifred J was a main speed. It was a turf sprint, I believe, and she got strangled back. So it's so hard to judge pace. So what I've done in my handicap, and I've kind of learned the hard way over the years, I just bet the horses I think are, are best for the value rather than worry about loan speed, unless it's like so obvious. And I'm like, all right, this horse is a little bit of a price. He could get away. I really hurt myself yesterday. I might've uh, texted you or, or messaged you, uh, but the early pick five on Wednesday, he paid 6,000. And of course I had the 50 to one shot in there, but it was a second or third leg um, of, of the race. I like the two horse who was one of the uh, chalks and I like the six, seven. And the seven was kind of one of the favorites. The six was, uh, ended up going up at seven to one. And the five horse, I'm sorry, I don't have names in front of me, scratched. And it looked like the four and five were the only speeds. So when the five scratched, I ended up saying, you know what? Instead of using two, six, seven this race, I'm going to switch to the four. He's the only speed. I didn't love the horse. Had a chance. Didn't love the horse. Well, guess what? The six wins. I left him out. I had the other four legs paid six grand. So I didn't follow my own advice there. I just, I, I really don't look that much at projected pace because I just don't feel you can figure it out. I'm not saying I don't look at all. Uh, and it'll come up today. There's going to be a race on the turf at Saratoga that we're going to go over very soon that looks like so much speed, but I wouldn't discount a speed horse just because of that. Um, and, and that's what we're going to roll into now, um, the, the pick five and how we bet the pick fives. So you mentioned a, a few things about keying in on horses. Um, I always, I, I say this, I hate when I single a closer because you need a trip. It's tough. So I'd prefer a speed horse when I'm singling or a horse that can make his own trip. So at least if you lose, you, you got a good trip and you just uh, weren't good enough or the horse you picked wasn't good enough. When you pick a closer, anything can happen. Uh, not that I wouldn't single a closer, but I'm reluctant to. 
So when I'm narrowing down my pick five, and we're going to look more at ticket construction today, not just going over the races. When I look for a pick five, I'm really looking for one or two, or if I can find three horses, but usually it's one or two to build my ticket around. And I prefer it not to be an even money shot. So if I like a horse uh, at four to one, five to one, 10 to one, I'm going to try and single that horse probably and build my ticket around it. Um, unfortunately, the first week of Saratoga, I did really well with my singles. My four to one, five to one, six to one singles came in, but the races I went deep, I didn't have, I didn't have the right horse. So it was kind of frustrating in, in a sense in many of the days. Um, so when I construct my pick five ticket, again, we'll talk about as we go through the races, how I look at certain races, try and find the horse I'm going to key around and then go from there. And if it's a race where I, I don't really have an opinion, um, I either won't play that sequence if it's a couple races. If it's just one race, but I really like the other horses, then I'll end up probably going deep, not saying that's the right strategy, but I'll probably go a little deep so I can at least maximize my strong opinions in the other races. Uh, did you want to add anything before we go over the races about that? Uh, the, the, the weird thing is I know for some reason you think I'm a chalk-eating weasel for the most part, but <laughs> I, from my handicapping and you know presentations of, of my opinions on the racing biz in the past years, I'm actually looking for, or, you know, when I find a price, I, I, it's hard to single because <laughs> I know my history. And when I find horses that I really like, they don't win a lot. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll come in second or third. Well, that's no good if you're playing horizontals. So that's why, you know, when I, I find, you know, what I think is, is value, Rare, rarely do, do those value plays for me um, win, you know, so maybe I'm, uh, you know, whistling up the wrong rope by uh, trying to play horizontals. Maybe I should just play, uh, you know, triples or whatever. And, uh, but, uh, you know, maybe this is a topic for another podcast, but I forever won't understand, and you kind of alluded to it, where you think you have a price, or at least, you know, not the, the morning line chalk. Say the horse is seven to two morning line. You really like him. And here comes the race, and he's being bet heavily. You know, he's nine to five, eight to five. Well, if you like the horse that much, and you think he's a stone-cold winner, I hate when I hear, I can't bet him at that price. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like, you like him at seven to two, but you can't bet him at eight to five. Correct. You know, and and that's that's just horse racer men, horse racing <laughs> mentality. You know, if if you told somebody, oh, I got a stock for you that's five hours a share, and we're going to more than double our money, somebody you're going to say sign me up. But for some reason at the racetrack, let alone forget even money, even eight to five on some, a, a horse that you thought you'd be able to get seven to two on. Every all of a sudden, you're looking for another horse to play. I will never ever understand that mentality. <laughs> well, Explain it got, to me. It's got to be about value. You need to find value. Let's make why? the math easy. Let's why? Why? Because do you the goal. Listen, if I, if I just want to give out winners, like on this show, I would just pick the favorites. I'll be right 33% of the time, and I'll look smart maybe to some people who don't get it. But, but, but hold on, hold on. With that ahead. in mind, the favorites are not always the morning line favorites. Correct. Okay. So, so you can't say, 
and and that that's the disadvantage of podcasts and even uh, any handicapper who's publishing his picks. You know, you're you're doing this 48 to 72 hours before the race. Mm -hmm. Okay, horses that I liked on paper or through replays might differ when I get to the track or if I see them on the track because I'm a big physical handicapper and there's a lot of air you know it's going to be sloppy it might be sloppy uh and so not unless you're a great meteorologist and you know that it's definitely going to rain do do you anticipate slop i know i, I, I have in the, i have in the past and guess what it was fast so i well, look like an <laughs> idiot you know, to all my read readers, because I'm saying, oh, the, you know, he's two for two on off track and it's dry and fast. Well, you hope that they would be smart enough to read it and be like, all right, well, he thought it might rain. The forecast called for rain. OK, but yeah, in, in that place and time that that's true. But you know what? Statistics, you know, you know, everybody's looking at a handicapper statistics. And if I put the horse on top because it looked like it was a hundred percent chance that it was going to be a sloppy track. It comes up dry. The horse doesn't win. Then there goes my statistics. So again, I, I challenge anybody who posts, who does analysis for any track, you know, and I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll be with me with this. You're posting this, like I said, a couple days in advance. I challenge anybody who can be better than 30% with their top picks. I think if you pick chalk, it's doable, but it's going to be hard. I mean, I'm not one to talk about this because my percent is going to be a lot lower than most people because I'm rarely betting the favorites and I'm looking for prices. But, but you're, you're assuming all the touts are putting the favorite on top. And, you know, I, I put the favorite on top when I think the favorite's the best right. horse in the race. But I, I, you can look at tons of people, you know, even, even though Andy Serling's not the greatest handicapper or whatever, and a lot of people get on him, but they love him and they hate him and whatever, you know, he's not, he, he, if you want to bet the chalk, all you have to do is look at the program. You right. know, there, there used to be a guy on what used to be HRTV, Aaron Vercuzzi. He was great. He picked all the prices or whatever. And he said what I always said. It's like, if you want to bet the chalk, you can just look at the program, you know, you don't need me to tell you, but you know, it's sometimes you look, you look at the past performances and guess what? You, you're going to like the morning line favorite. Why? Because he's the best horse in the race on paper. That's why they if make the morning line. If you're betting a two to one, let's say the horse goes off two to one. So that's who you're going to bet. Let's just talk about win. Forget the other best okay. right now. Okay. He's the best horse. You think two to one. Fine. That horse has to win, basically, $2 to win on two to one is what you get uh, $6 back. So $6. you have to win one out of every three times to break even. So if you feel that horse has you know, that good of a chance, then, then go for it. If you think two to one is that. It's 30%. But, right. If you think he's got a better chance than that to win, then, then go for it. Um, the way I bet is I, I try and make it so every bet I make pretty much will make me a winner for the day or, or make me a lot of money. I'm not looking to inch forward, win 30 bucks, something like that. And Saratoga's first few days were examples of that. Um, we did the podcast about last Saturday, I guess it was, right? Uh, the race. No, it was Thursday. I'm sorry. Opening day. 
and I, for the most part, you know, I picked some prices, didn't come in that much. Um, I, I didn't, I don't even know if I cashed a ticket until the very end, but the last race I hit it right. I had the one in the 11, uh, it wasn't huge prizes at all, but it was like a two to one or whatever. The one went off over 10 to one, 11 to one. That 11 horse was the Asmussen Santana, I believe, Turf Sprint. And I had the exact, I think I bet a $10 exact or whatever it was. And I ended up collecting a couple hundred bucks in the race. And I, I was a winner for the day. I broke even. That's my goal is to win one race and make money for the day. So that's where I'm looking for. I'm not saying I never bet favorites or you shouldn't, but uh, that's where the value comes in. I feel if you feel two to one's value, go for it. But you know, if you have a two to one shot, you're like, Hey, he's probably the best, but I don't love him. Once you say that, let, let's look for oh, a price. Right. I'm not good right. enough to, yeah, go ahead. If you don't love him, I totally agree. Pass on him because there's no value. But if if you've come to the conclusion that he is the best, and all things being equal, you know, bad trip goes to his knees coming out of the gate, whatever. You know, I I, I know I'm in the minority because horse players want want they they go for the big fish. They, they, they're not looking for quant. They're not looking for quantity. They're looking for quality. And that's why the pick fives and, and the, the horizontal bets have become the most popular in the industry because of that. Everybody want, wants the big fish. And um, you know, there, there's a couple different ways to approach this. And I'll, I'll never not bet a horse that I really think is the best in the race simply because his odds are too low. All right. Listen, it's happened to me where I bet anyway. I remember Alexandra ran a, a week or two ago. I loved that horse. It was like three, she was three to one morning line against the boys or seven to two. Right. Ended up going off like, what was it? Eight to five, seven to five. I was like, oh right. my geez. But I'd already singled her in a pick five. And also it was kind of too late, but I wouldn't bet her to win at that price, even though I thought she was going to win. And listen, she won my nose or whatever. She just got up, but she's a terrific horse. Um, but that's what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for value. And that's what, people are looking for. For me, I started to say before, I'm going to have a lower win percentage than most people because I'm looking to make money. I'm not looking to win races. And I think that's one of the hardest things as a handicapper. You have to accept losing. Um, if it's about win percentage, then then you're not going to make, maybe you'll make money if you're really good, but uh, it's about win percentage. You're not going to make money. It's, it's about value and finding the right horse at the right price. And, and again, if, if the Yesterday, cross-border, Wednesday, because I don't know when you're listening to this, so we'll say Wednesday, cross-border ran the um, turf race. I think he went off one to five. It was almost like an overlay at one to five. I singled him. That was a pick five. I said I blew it because I didn't. I changed my mind with a, a speed horse. That was so stupid of me. But that horse, one to five, it looked like, or he looked like he could not lose that race. Uh, so I, I couldn't bet anyone else. It was either sit out or, or single that horse. Uh, usually I would sit out, but I liked some other horses in that sequence, so I wanted to capitalize. All right, you ready to get to this card? Yeah. All right, uh, people uh, right. are probably ready for it. Okay, so Saturday we're going over the late pick five. We're going to talk more about ticket construction. We got cut off last week a little bit uh, at the end time-wise. So we'll go through the races a little quicker here. Um, last week we went over every horse in the race. And when I listen to podcasts or people handicapping, you mentioned Andy Sterling, I really don't care who they pick personally. I want to hear their logic though, so I can learn from it. Maybe I miss something or I can pick up something that improves my handicapping. So that's what I'm hoping to do for the listeners out there. And I'm sure you as well. Uh, I can just go through our picks, but I'd rather say why I like a horse, why I don't like some horses. And that's why I like going over each horse. And we'll talk to our listeners if they really like that uh, approach. We'll, we'll resume that next week. But let's talk about race seven. 
It's an allowance, first level allowance, uh, on the turf going one mile. Now again, the morning lines come out just as we start recording, so we scribbled them down literally as we started this podcast. Well, this race has two Chad Brown horses, and the prob- race probably goes through them. Number six, Perjury Trap. Number eight, Lonesome Fugitive. I loved Lonesome Fugitive going into last race. This is going to be his third race. His first race was uh, Ju- January 26th at Gulfstream, where he had a lot of problems. He was bumped at the start. He got checked on the back stretch. Back stretch. It was nothing awful, but it was just a troubled trip. And a Danny Gargan horse who was 7-2 had an easy lead that day. It looked like he was home. And Lonesome Fugitive, the Chad Brown 8 horse in race 7, ran that Gargan horse, um, almost ran the um, Gargan horse down. That was a really good job closing. So I really liked him going to the last race. Uh, I don't remember the race that well. I mean, I saw the replay. Um, I'm assuming I bet him. I can't remember offhand. He was 5-2. to two. Now, the question is a step up in class. Um, you know, he's going from maidens to winners. But most of the competition, not most, but some of the competition, the other Chad Brown is also coming off maiden special weight races into the allowance ranks. And I really like Lonesome Fugitive. And this is a race where I said pace would come into play. It really looks like on paper there's going to be a pace. The three Don Juan Kitten is not necessarily a front runner. The last race he pressed the pace at the allowance level. Uh, and in his maiden win, he wired the field. So he's got some speed. Uh, you have the 1A, Maroon Maniac has shown speed uh, in two races. The four, Kingmeister, on the dirt, but he's shown speed in his last two races since uh, stretching out. Uh, I thought there was one more. Oh, and then the nine, Montauk Daddy on the stretch out could show speed. So who really knows about the, uh, the pace here? It looks like a lot, but I have a feeling it's New York. One of the horses, maybe two are going. It won't be that fast. I'm going to hone in on Lonesome Fugitive, though, as my main play. The other Chad Brown, Perjury Trap, can be tough, and I'm scared of him. But we talk about how we make our tickets. I really don't want to use a two to one and a five to two, especially if I have chalk and other legs. Um, I wouldn't bet a five to two and a two to one to win, right? I wouldn't bet them both to win in the race. So why do I want to use them both in a pick five? Unless I like a price horse later in the sequence, something like that. So I'm going to um, hone in on Lonesome Fugitive. I wouldn't even consider singling the horse, but I'm going to use one other horse here with him. And it's a horse who's 15 to one morning line. So I'm giving you a little price here. Montauk Daddy, the nine. Montauk Daddy, Linda Rice horse. This was a horse who broke uh, his maiden uh, last July at Belmont, went to Saratoga in the Skidmore Stakes, came in third, actually proven strategies, was in this race, um, beat him that race by a head. He then had a month or two off in November, went another $100,000 stakes race, this one at Aqueduct. He had some trouble. He lost about three lengths at the start. That was a really bad start. So considering he ran decent, then he came back off the layoff uh, in June. So he must have been off, what is that, like seven, eight months already, about seven months. Um, and he ran a very good race. When I handicapped that race, my notes to myself were, I like this horse a lot, but this is a tough comeback race. He was go- going against older for the first time. Um, he also um, had a tough field. Morning Breeze, Quarky, these are, Mad Minds was a long shot, but Morning Breeze Special, these are quality horses who run like 85 buyers consistently. If you have speed figures uh, that are buyers. So you look at this horse and you see buyers, 75, 73, 73, 74. He's too slow. But he's a three-year-old, second off the layoff. His last race was much better than it looked. He again was off slow, and that's a concern that he gets off slow. Um, but I just think on the stretch out, if he does get off a little slow, it might actually help him sitting off the pace. 
The question is for me, not if he's good enough, because I think he is, despite the slower pace numbers, for the reasons I said, his race looks a lot better than it was. Last race, Mad Money's wired the field. There was no pace. It looks fast, 44 and 3, but the turf was playing crazy fast. It hadn't rained in a long time. And speed held, including that, whatever, 23 to 1 shot wiring the field. So Montauk Daddy, I think, has a big shot here. Again, I started to say the question is the stretch out. Could he handle the distance? I don't know. His uh, sibling, I think, was a, his lone sibling is a sprinter. Um, you know, so it could be a little challenging, but Linda Rice has great, great, great stretch out numbers. She's really hot. All the jockeys are good. This guy, Cardenas, can ride as an apprentice. Um, so I wouldn't blame you for singling Lonesome Fugitive, but I'm going to also use Montauk Daddy and just go too deep here. Could the six beat me? Of course. Could other horse beat me? Of course. Uh, do you want to add any comments, uh, before I talk about the others? I no. I think the the key thing here is, you know, Chad's got two in here. Um, it, I, I'm surprised that uh, you you didn't care for proven strategies. Who's you know multiple. You know he's a graded stakes place. You know mm-hmm. ran second in a grade two behind a horse that came back and and won next out. Um, maybe, maybe, uh, it's the pace factor there, but, um, uh, one of the handicapping angles is, or I, somebody years ago, uh, came up with some statistics saying that horses that win races, it's like some insane number, like 60 some percent or whatever, something has changed. Either trainer change, the jockey mm-hmm. changed equipment change right. gelding something like that yeah. gelding or whatever and i think it's find uh the 11 horse arithmetic a bit interesting claim horse i believe it's a 10 i know oh, we have I'm no sorry, we have no program numbers just oh. two time winner and uh claim claimed out of that last race which was my you know Interesting claim and interesting that it made the horse available to be claimed after winning its first two races. Um, but uh, first time Lasix. Uh, obviously, the the trainer uh, is 0 for 30, so kind of <laughs> hard to, to back him there. But uh, still, you know, the horse doesn't know the trainer's 0 for 40, but who knows? He's only He's been in the barn for a little more than a month. Maybe that's that's enough to ruin the horse. But, um, <laughs> that's very nice <laughs> you know, who, who knows uh, and and you know uh the the interesting thing is uh the two horses that you like lonesome Fug- fugitive and montauk daddy do you notice something you race that uh none of the other horses um can uh boast about they they ran against older horses how do you like that there you go. Well, I mentioned that so, with Montauk Daddy. It's one thing I like right. about him. His comeback was tough. And and you know that you know when when you're running against three year olds, that's restricted company. So they they actually stepped up their game. Now, you know, you'd have to go back in and look to see how many who were actually four year olds in, in in that race and whatever. But right, uh, right. I can't I can't argue with your picks there. So if you want to move, all on right, to the next that's very nice of you. I appreciate you not arguing. And just quick, the others in the race, Don Juan Kitten, he ran a good race last time. Uh, he chased the pace that, uh, you know, was 
pretty tough. He actually chased the five to two shot and came in fifth. Normally I would like that and I do. I don't know though. Danny Gargan is so cold that I would just, I would be Girl. afraid to, you know, use him to win here. Uh, but the horse is good. If I had a third pick or fourth, you know, he'd be like third or fourth pick here. Maroon Maniac, the 1A. I thought his first race, he had it pretty easy. He had a really good trip up close to a slow pace. So I didn't really love his first race. Uh, I know he lost to domestic spending. He was a very good horse who ended up beating Don Juan Kitten. Um, so it was a decent race for a first time out. Uh, then he improved a lot on the dirt, it looks. But he also had an easy lead on the dirt on a sealed track. I just think that race is inflated. Now he's against winners. Thomas is great, Jonathan Thomas, great trainer, but um, I'd lean against him. And uh, I mentioned already the six perjury trap. He could win. He ran against Gufo, who has won four straight since then. Uh, one of the better three-year-old turf horses in the country for Clement is Gufo, just won at Delaware big stakes. Um, but that was Gufo's first race. Listen, the six can win. I'm not going to talk you off him or anything, but at five to two, um, and I'm already using a two to one, I'm not going to do it. If you, listen, if you'd like to spend more money on your ticket, you want to throw in the three and the six, Go for it. I'm not a fan of proven strategies. I know all the things you said. Grady's running against tough competition in some races. Um, I just feel that he's been up on slow paces, and that's really helped him. He's not necessarily improving anymore, which maybe he is. Who knows? But uh, his last three races were basically all the same. He is what he is, and I think there's some good young horses that are improving here. So that's where I'm going to lean uh, most of the 8-9. If I was betting verticals, I would key in on the 9 just for the price. But I'd use the eight, nine, and I'd work in the three and six a little bit in my verticals uh, as my other horses. Going to race eight, I had a doozy of a time. There's always one race, and it's like, oh, my, what are you going to do? Oh, my heart and my head say different things here. My heart says the eight horse locally owned, I won. This is a horse who I bet at Oaklawn three races back when he ran against Desmond. It was a big day at Oaklawn. I don't know if it was the Ar – no, it wasn't the Arkansas Derby. It was – um whatever the, the last prep is, the Southwest or whatever race it was, um, that day it was on the undercard. And Desmond, uh, I believe a Bob Baffert horse, who looked like he was probably going to win that race. He was a logical horse. Everfast came flying. Uh, actually, I think Everfast might have shown some speed that day, but Everfast was in that race, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he's a decent horse. Uh, ran the Preakness last year. Um, but anyway, locally owned, got off really slow that race. And Oakland was favoring speed a lot. And he closed like a maniac. And I used Desmond and locally owned. And locally owned was, what, 10 to 1 that day or something? Yeah, 10 to 1. And I was so upset because he ran so well. He should have won the race. That start was so bad. So he comes back. And I don't really bet Churchill too often, so I probably missed him. Came back at this level allowance at Churchill. Um, at, at a first level allowance, I should say. And he lost to Sprawl, who's a Mott horse. Ran a decent race. His speed figure improved a little. Although, like I said, three back that April race at Oakland. He had some trouble. So he actually, like I had buyers, so he had run 80. It was probably more like an 83 or 84. So he improved maybe a little bit at Churchill, not that much. And his last race was just a little bit better. He did stay ground the whole way, so that helped. But he had to wait a little on the turn, um, so kind of offset a little bit. The thing with him is he won his last race, and now he's stepping up from 1X competition to 2X, non-winners of two. So the waters get a little deeper. I just don't think this is as hard of a race as it looks on paper because I found a lot of question marks. My biggest problem is not the step up. It's the post position. A mile and an eighth at Saratoga, they turn pretty quickly. Um, and Tyler's going to, who doesn't have that much experience riding there, is going to have to figure out a way to save some kind of ground here. Uh, also, the track could change by Saturday, but the first week, it's been so speed favoring and helpful. It's just so hard to close it. If he stays too far back, He's going to have trouble, but he's a horse that has a little bit of tactical speed, not a ton, 
Uh, but a little bit of tactical speed. He was a sprinter for a long time. So I like him. If he was inside, I'd definitely go with him. The outside makes me think, I'll uh, you know, hesitate a little bit there. The other horses that I really don't know what to do with uh, are the 1 and the 1A. Um, the 1, you are to blame. I thought he was kind of, I don't want to say done because he's still running decently. But last year he was running in the upper 90s buyers. He was uh, competitive. He won a grade 3. Uh, second in the grade three, lost the grade two by length of Brooklyn, albeit in a mile and a half. Since he's come back this year, he just hasn't run that well, and he's one that I normally wouldn't use. But he's caught sloppy tracks where he's 0 for 4 without being in the money. His other two sloppy track races, other than the last two, are not on here. So I don't know if he ran worse than them than he had been, but the fact that he was running 98 buyers and his best sloppy track buyers in 88 means he's probably not as good on the slop. So I guess I can forgive those. The March race... Uh, three back, he was off a long layoff. It was a grade three race, tough race. So uh, that fell apart the race, but it, it, he was just no factor. He probably needed it. So I think your to blame might be done, but I'm worried about him. Uh, the fact that he might just not have liked the slop and maybe he's back in good form. And the one hand looks decent too. He's stepping up in class. He ran against only three-year-olds, uh, first level allowance. Uh, but he, you know, he dueled an eight to one shot who faded and he won really easy. I just don't know if he beat anyone. Uh, but it's Pletcher. The horse should move up. He should improve. And really, I don't like too many other horses here. So I'm going to end up using all in this race in the pick five because I'm not that deep in other races. And I'm not a big all fan. But in this one, I'm going to go all. And I'm going to key in on the 1-8. And I'll talk about what I mean by that later. But I'm going to press my bet with the 1-8. So I'm mostly 1-8, but I'm actually going to use all. Is there anyone you want to talk about here? Well, I guess my question is, I would never want to talk anybody off of using an all, okay? Because right. then you can just relax in, in that one. But um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I can see so, why you still use blue bluegrass cats smile. You know, yeah, that's, that's the only horse. That's okay. the only horse right. that I don't – that's the only horse I really don't like at all. Well, I shouldn't say at all that much, but he's still capable. And I'm going to use seven of them. I'm going to use eight. I've been burned so many times because usually if I don't like a horse, I leave them out, uh, especially if it's a short price. But this one's a good price. And you know what? If I'm using seven, I might as well use eight. You'll see when I construct the bet at the end. It's not a very expensive ticket anyway. So what the heck? I'm throwing them in. If you well, one, not, I wouldn't throw them in. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about anybody. Oh, well, I, I will. You know, you didn't say anything about parsimony. Mm -hmm. um, they really belong in, in those last two races. <laughs> You know, no, you know what? Uh, Last race was at Grade 2 Suburban. It was on a day when speed was really good. Tacitus laid over the field. Tacitus got a good ride finally. Right. He's that close to the pace. You know, he could have showed speed. He could have closed. Tacitus pretty versatile. And uh, his jockey had him pretty close. I want to say Jose Ortiz. I could be wrong. Had him pretty close right. to the pace because he couldn't close well that day. So I think parsimony just benefited from being close to the pace. Having said that, speed's still good on this track or good on the Saratoga track. He's coming out of a grade two. He's not impossible. I really don't love the horse. And again, normally four to one, I wouldn't throw in a horse, but because I have so few horses in other races, I'm going to throw him in because listen, speed could hold you. So, so four to one on him. And he looked back at, uh, before he went over to Dubai, I mean, he was 11 and 13 to one running at, uh, you know, optional claimer 40, uh, non, non winners or one other than. So four to one, you talk about, you know, yeah he, you know he's four to one because of that last race not because right, which i don't think was nearly as good as it looks so he he's right. one of my last horses and again i'm kind of contradicting myself here a little bit 
if a horse is four to one, I don't like them that much. I probably shouldn't use them. But again, it's, it's really just this sequence. Uh, and yeah, maybe I mean, I'm dumb for doing it and I'm only going to have for 50, uh, 50 cents in my bet. I really don't love the two. Yeah, a great trip, uh, Dynamax Prime. But again, I don't really like anyone here other than the eight. And the eight has a tough post and, and is stepping up. So um, while I like the eight the most, I, I can't totally endorse. Um, I'm going to point out something and get your opinion. Uh, in these optional claimers, when horses fit the condition that they don't have to be in for the tag, do you consider that at all? A little bit. I mean, I guess it could be concerning that the trainer's given up on it. In I mean, this what, case, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it. I mean, here you got a horse that that cashes checks and stakes uh, races. Um, Who are we talking about now? He. Uh, you're to blame. Let's just throw him out. You know, you got you're to blame. You also have the two horse. Um, Dynamic Prime. Dynamic Dynamax Prime has run at this level twice before, was second, uh, and then uh, ran fourth last time out at 8 right. to 1. Uh, not last time out, but last time he was in this condition. You know, I, I don't understand that you run the horse for uh, the tag, but then when you run. Uh, uh, for a hundred thousand, you you don't run for the tag. I I don't understand that that mindset. Maybe you can help me. Uh, I guess. Well, if you're looking back on Dynamax Prime, that September 28th race uh, at this level when he came in fourth. First of all, Performer won that race, who many people thought would be the best older horse this year. He just had some injuries and setbacks, so um, that was not a bad fourth at all. Um, I, I would think then they put him he, since he ran well against Performer. He runs in the Empire Classic. He comes in second to Mr. Buff, who is winning everything against New York Reds, the best New York Red older horse at the time, and still can argue he is, even though his last race was a little disappointing. Uh, but it was against Tacitus there. Um, he ran well, so they didn't want to lose him, so they put him in the hundred thousand dollar optional claimer, and they, um, they they didn't put the tag on him. Uh, he ran third, so I guess they didn't put a tag on him at all until now. But you know, his last couple races haven't been great. He ran the seventy-seven buyer two back, which is not good for this uh, level at all, not competitive. And then in the Bernardini, the last stakes race, he had a great trip. He saved ground, and he got an 85 buyer. And that's like, the, the to me, a perfect trip. He got an 85. Uh, so mm. I think they realize his best days are probably behind him. But he does have races to win this. So I, I don't love the horse, but an 8-1, to one, maybe higher, uh, I'll throw him in. Uh, there's a couple of horses who have some big buyer numbers here. Prioritized, got a 94 buyer last race. Um, definitely can win. He comes from off the pace, which might be difficult, even though there looks like speed. And this is a race where, sure, it looks like there's going to be speed. The 1A has some speed. The 3, Parsimony, should show speed. And the 7, Leitoni, that's how we pronounce it, I think, uh, has speed. But like I said, it doesn't always work out in New York. So I'm not going to worry about the projected pace. Uh, so prioritize. Looks like he has some speed uh, to close into. And he's going to be tough, possibly, but coming from off the pace might be difficult, despite the projected pace right. the five linda rice horse looks decent but he's had some really good trips i love jackson um so is he gonna get another really good trip maybe uh and he can win it but i'm not a huge fan but i just you know we're spending a lot of time in a race i don't have any big opinion on um anything else you want to add or questions comments yeah um i i'd be interested in money moves i i'm assuming his his odds are maybe uh Three to one. Yeah, five to two. The entry is five to two. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. okay. So he actually, he was entered in last weekend's uh, $150,000 stakes race, which was on the turf. He was entered at main track only. But, okay. uh, oh, hey, you know what? Um, Triple Crown nominated uh, could find hmm. his way, you know, to <laughs> Churchill Downs. Yeah, I don't know about that, but we'll see. If he wins this by eight, but, maybe. Um, <laughs> all right, so race nine. Yep, Take going to race off. nine. A state red allowance. I love the state red allowance, first level, because you get big fields. This one, actually only nine horses, but still decent size, considering what's been going on in New York the last few months. Um, in this race, I can see a, a bunch of horses doing well. Um, I'm going to key in on two horses here. I'm going to use five. This is the only other race I'm going deep. I'm going to use five in my pick five, five horses, but I'm going to key on two of them. Uh, one horse I'm going to key on is six to one, and that's a seven Mo Ready. Again, looking at the buyer speed figures, I'm sure the Brisnet figures, he's going to look a little slow because he's coming off of 65, 67 buyers, and some of these horses or most of the main competitors are in the mid 70s. So you might look, oh, he's got to improve about 10 buyer points. But I like class a lot. Uh, and it depend, I, I said it last week, depending on who you're running against, it really could affect your speed figure. I'm not going to repeat the whole conversation I had with myself, basically. But um, if you're showing speed against really good horses, that's pretty impressive, even if you fade and get a low speed figure in the end. Anyway, this horse, when he went to the turf last year at Saratoga, he won a maiden special weight um, pretty much for fun. He had kind of a wide trip, and um, he won by a length and a half going away. No one was gaining. So that was a pretty impressive race. Then they put him in open company for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why. Maybe they didn't have a race at six furlongs. And the horse didn't embarrass himself. He ran fine. Um, now, then they stretched him out December 6th. They put him in a $100,000 stakes race, open company. Uh, in both of these, he caught yielding turf, which maybe he likes, maybe he doesn't. Uh, I don't really know. Um, and again, he didn't embarrass himself. He showed some speed. He didn't really run great. But my point is, his one race against state brands on the turf, he won pretty easily. Yeah, it was a maiden race, but he won pretty easily. So uh, Todd Pletcher horse should be ready off the break. Um, he's a horse I definitely want to use here. And the other one, you might laugh at me because normally it's a horse I would not endorse, but I'm going to use a horse who's won for like 8,000 and that Steelers fan for life, even though I do not like the Steelers. So I'm not a Steeler fan for life. I'm a Jet fan, long suffering. However, Steeler fans for life, I, I think he has a decent shot here. I worry about him winning the race just because of that record. He's been at this level, if you look, for a long, long time. But Three back, Leo Giamatti put blinkers on the horse. Now, he had a relatively easy lead. He put up a speed figure of 80, a buyer speed figure, if you like looking at those. And, yeah, I definitely look at them. That, that figure would probably win this race. Now, granted, he did it on easy lead. He's probably not that good, or that race was inflated. He probably wouldn't have got that buyer someone chasing. But he was running in the mid-70s before that, which is competitive in this field. Then in November, he comes back his second race, and he just coughed up a lead, but he set a very fast pace going a mile and an eighth. And it looks bad. I don't know if something happened because he was off after that. Just maybe there was no turf racing and, and they were waiting. But I can forgive that race. His last race of the season, he's you know, worn out maybe by that point. He set a fast pace. Yeah, he folded. They give him a lot of time off for whatever reason. Comes back in July. So he's coming off a, a long layoff. And that race, July 4th, really favored closers. He chase a uh, three to two shot who I believe faded. I, I usually write this down, but he really did the dirty work that race. Those two were, if I remember way ahead of the rest of the field, he really had no shot. It was an all out ding dong battle. 
all the way around. I can totally forgive that off the layoff. That race is a lot better than it looks. So why not give him a shot? I don't really like anyone else. Um, I, I don't think anyone's great in this field. So Steeler fan for life, I'm, I'm taking a swing with him. I'm gonna, uh, in my verticals, I'm going to use five and seven mostly. Uh, I'll probably box an exacta there, and I'll probably put the seven on top a little more just because, like I said, the five doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to win that much. But I'm going to use the five and seven mostly. The other horses that I think have a, a decent shot that I'm going to also use, and again, I'm kind of going against my own advice a little because I don't like to spread when I use short prices, but um, I'm going to use a two, three, four also. Um, I actually prefer the two out of those horses. I think he would probably be my third horse, the two. Um, this horse, two back June 14th. Um, I didn't love that race. It was off a break, so maybe he needed it. Um, but he chased a 50 to one shot who he basically finished even with. I think he beat him by one length. And that's one thing I look at with replays. If you're chasing a pace and it's a long shot and that long shot hangs on, maybe it wasn't that tough to be chasing that pace. So I didn't love his race two back, but again, maybe he needed it. His last race was significantly better. I thought, even though he got a lower speed figure, um, he did a pretty good job because, uh, six to one shot wired the field. Yes. And yes. Big wonder a six to one shot also was second the whole way. No one really closed much in the stretch. Um, so for this guy to close a little bit, show some life. Uh, that was against open company. Uh, it's hard to judge open company to this, but basically uh, an allowance, uh, 50,000 starter allowance, open company in New York. You need like a low 80s buyer. And for Saratoga uh, or for New York for a state bread allowance, first level, you need about an 82. So they're very comparable levels, um, in my opinion these two races. It really depends on the field. In that field that Albie came out of, uh, you needed about an 80 buyer, which would win this probably. So he's coming out of a race that was as tough as this or better. And frankly, he closed a little bit. I think he has an outside shot. I don't love but an outside shot. And just to really wrap it up quick, because I don't want to do all the talking here. I apologize. Simply at four to one, the three horse. I don't love either race he's coming out of particularly because I thought both he got great setups. They set up for a close and it was speed duels. However, he is improving. I think he, he improved about 10 buyer speed figure points last race. And even though he got a 74 and I think it's more like a 70, what I mean by that is it set up so well for him that, you know, he, he ran a 74 buyer, but that's with a like perfect setup. So without a perfect setup, he probably, you know, a normal setup, he probably runs about a 70 buyer. So he has to improve a, a, a few lengths here, but he is an improving horse. So I can see that horse improving for Asmussen. So um, that would be my fourth choice. And then, Barley won, and honestly, when I saw the morning line, I was shocked that Barley won. I hope I have it right. It was three to one. I said I was going five deep. I might cut Barley one out only because of that short price. There's another horse who really has had some good trips. Um, it's not necessarily better than the others. He's coming off a maiden win, but he had a same ground and had a really nice trip um, sitting behind the pace. So Barley one's my fifth horse. I'm probably going to cut him out because of the price, but we'll see. Like I said, I'm not spending that much on this bet as we get to it soon. Uh, who did you want to uh, mention or, or talk about here? Well, yeah, Barley won. Uh, I, I like the fact that third off the layoff, uh, improving Riznet numbers. Johnny V has been superstar on the uh, Saratoga turf so far. But like you said, ah, three to one, I didn't – suspect that and I, I, I hate when a horse wins easily when uh, maiden when they're the favorite because you're you're trying to figure out how how, how bad were the other I, I'd rather see a horse 
Yeah, definitely. You cut out there. We're having some audio issues here. Uh, are you there with us still, Gary? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, we're back. Sorry, we're having a few issues today. So, anyone else that uh, strikes your fancy here? Can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you. Okay, sorry. Yeah, my uh tough um so yeah uh barley one uh, the, the only other one that uh you didn't mention and and uh solve. all right we're having we're having some audio issues sorry we're new to this and uh you know the best technology here yeah. we're gonna try one more time gq yeah, you want to give I, it one more shot I, Yep. Can you hear me? Yep, we can now. Can okay. Sorry about that. I'm I'm in a place where where the internet connection isn't the best, though. Sorry. Um, so yeah, J Jimmy Jazz is a horse that uh, second time blankers. There was no reason why the horse should have ran as well as he did. Uh, they put blankers on him first time, and I'm I'm a big believer that uh, you know second time out with blinkers uh the horse improves um there's statistics that i go back and see it again same way with uh your top pick mo ready you know everybody before the racing forum used to uh show that the, the horse was gelded since his last start you know that was the big thing it's like naira would put it on the crawl and like everybody would be like ooh, like this big inside uh, angle you know and Oh, the horse, you know, just breezes, you know. Uh, how, how, how often do we talk about first-time gelding as a great angle? So, again, may, maybe not a winner, but if you're a vertical player, Jimmy Jazz, I'm, I'm assuming he's 15 to 1 morning line, no? Uh, 10 to 1 morning line. I, I would never talk you off the horse, and, and what you said makes sense. I don't love him. I'm, I'm much as much a trip handicapper as anything else. He was in that Steeler fan for life uh, race, July 4th. And it was uh, such a fast pace that, I mean, I could have been running and, and probably closed into that pace. Gotcha. So I think the race is a lot better than it looks. So if you just look at the speed figure, oh, he went up 10 points because of uh, blinkers. But um, I think his race before, he was coming off of a layoff. So he, pro and he probably gave up at the end there when he was way out of it. So that figure, who knows if it's accurate. And then the 74 is not as good as it looks fire-wise. Again, you might be using other figures but what you said makes sense he sent one i wouldn't talk you out of it um so i i again i don't want to sit here and say a 10 to one shot has no shot to win but i'm not a fan of jimmy jazz of course now he'll win and i'll look very foolish all right moving on so move on to the grade one uh alfred g vanderbilt man big field big field yes here. big field well you know what listen you can have a 10 horse field with five horses who have no shot so what's the difference at least you have five horses that are pretty good horses but, uh, but there's race. still there's still four five horses out there that can cause problems for others, and that's what cracks me up is that even in these small fields, you'll see horses get in trouble somehow. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it even even though it's a five horse field, uh, it certainly uh, it should be a competitive one. So uh, I'll let you uh, go and dissect each one. All right. So talking about our ticket structure. If you bet every pick five, God bless you. Um, you know, I, I just, you got to pick and choose your spots and all bets, I think. So this is one where I might bet it because of the fact that I like a few horses early in, in the last race. But um, when I see a, a horse, he's four to five all the time in the morning line. Uh, maybe he goes off four to five because you do have some decent horses here and Whitmore will get respect. But 
I just have a feeling it's going to be a really short price um, volatile. And sometimes it's just pointless to try and be the favorite. Sometimes, you know, it's better to stick with just the favorite. And other times it's better to just don't bet the race because, again, we're talking about value. You know, if I think volatile is going to win, if I don't think he's a value, it might not be wise to do it. So I was looking at this race, and, and one thing that stands out, I don't, again, use pace, like I said at the beginning, too much, but he appears to be the lone speed or, you know, if not lone speed, he'll be right up on the pace. And that's a, a valuable thing at Saratoga right now, assuming, you know, nothing changes today, Thursday or Friday, if you're listening to this, um, or, or before you bet on Saturday, you might want to take a look at how the track was playing and see if it was the same. So Valentine should be up front. Listen, he gets a class test. Obviously, he's going against grain and stakes horses, including uh, grade one winner on the outside there, uh, grade uh, one place horse, grade three winners, etc. So he definitely gets a class test, but he might have got some pretty good horses in Churchill last time. Manny Waz, not a terrible horse. Um, his buyers stand out. Volatile speed figures are so much of an edge here. He's a lightly raced horse. He should be improving. He was handridden and got a 112 buyer. He could have won by a, a lot more if he wanted to. I'm not going to try and beat Volatile. I'm either not going to bet the pick five or I'm going to single Volatile, even though I like some other horses. Just quickly going through the field. The second horse I, I would use, I think, would be Mind Control. Um, mind Control is coming off not a good race, but that was June 6th. It was a day where you needed speed. Um, I felt McComb had a big edge that day. He had more speed. In fact, in that race, it looked like a two-horse race, even though I like network effect a little bit. Um, and American Anthem was in that race, and it was questionable if American Anthem was the same horse as he used to be. Um, but Vakoma and Mind Control looked like a two-horse race. Vakoma had the speed advantage. The track was wet. I don't know. Mind Control likes the wet track. He's won on a wet track, so maybe he likes it. But that was a good track. It wasn't that wet. So I'm willing to forgive the last effort. Uh, who knows if, how – I'm sure he was ready. It was a grade one race. I'm sure Greg Sacco had him ready. But um, I, I'm willing to forgive that race. He's a two-time grade one winner. And I know the knock on mind control is that he just doesn't run that fast. Like he hasn't cracked a hundred buyer yet. He's a four-year-old. He could be still improving. And if you buy the fact that last race he was against the track and just didn't like it, if you, and it was a great one race, so it was not a, a chump change race. You buy that and you can toss that race. He fits as well as anyone here. So mind control will be my second choice. He's going to have to come from off the pace. Six furlongs he usually closes. That race two back against Happy Farm. Happy Farm's a good horse, not like an amazing horse, but a good sprinter. That, that was one of the best clothes I've ever seen. It reminded me of a Fleet Alex and uh, Victory Gallop when, when he closed, maybe it was a Clark or some race at Churchill a long time ago, a little young man, so it's hard for me to remember exactly. But Mind Control is an amazing closer, uh, going six furlongs. Maybe he has too much to do, maybe he's against the track. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to single Volatile, but Mind Control is my other horse. And the third horse, believe it or not, I use is Lexitonian. So in my bets in this race, I'm probably going to key um, Lex, uh, Volatile on top and put him over Mind Control and Lexitonian and try and beat the other two, which maybe is silly with Whitmore. But Lexitonian is a horse who I have a sweet spot for, so maybe there's more heart than anything else. He won for me on the Preakness undercard, I think. I got to look back. Yes, the chick line, he came up a gold rail uh, on a great ride from Jose Ortiz and 17 to 1, so I still owe him some money, Lexitonian. Maybe that's why I like him. But this is a horse who I think is improving. His only bad race, if you will, was the one off the layoff uh, at Oakland. And that was a tough field. It was a grade three field. It was Whitmore, Flagstaff. It was a top California sprinter. And maybe he needed the race. It was his first race at four. He comes back and, and ran a really nice race at Churchill. Yeah, it was only a, a, what third level allowance, I guess. But it was a tough field. Hot Creek Hustle is a very nice horse. 
Um, so he, he ran a good race last time, I thought. And this is a horse who, if he improves a little more, has a chance. You know, a little class test against graded stakes. You know, grade three has been fine. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with him. I don't expect him to win, but I think he can run a decent race. He should, could show some speed, too. Whitmore and, and Ferenc Fire, those are two horses that I love, so it's hard for me to go against them. Um, Whitmore, two to one. He won last race. He actually got a lower speed figure. I'm not a huge – I talk about speed figures a lot because I think they're a good starting point, but it's how you earn that speed figure. I thought he had a very good trip last time. He can win this. He can come in second, I guess, more likely than win it. Um, but I just would rather a four-year-old who's improving – then a horse who I'm not sure if he's on his last legs. And listen, this is an amazing horse. I'm not going to knock Whitmore at all. He's been one of my favorites for the last few years. I wish him well. Uh, but I, I'm going to take a shot with a horse that I think can improve. Or I, don't, I don't know what you're going to get out of Whitmore. Now, Tubac was his best buyer speed figure. And he didn't get out of the gate either. So he ran a heck of a race. You can argue he, he bounced last race and still won because he ran eight speed figure points lower, five points lower. So listen, this is a good horse. I can't blame if you use him. He's two to one. That's the main reason. I know you talked about value and you know what you do with it, but a two to one, I'm not using Whitmore. And then Frenzy Fire, real quick. Um, this is a horse I've loved. Listen, he's not with service anymore. We know service was medicating these horses like uh, God knows what. So the question is, was he any good without it? Well, his first race after service in the grade one car, that was at Macoma race on the sloppy track where you needed to have some speed. He showed some speed. He kind of ran a disappointing race. No real excuse. Maybe he didn't like the wet. I don't know. Came back, and his last race looked pretty good. He got a 97 buyer. He, he won for fun. It's a grade two. The field was not a grade two field, in my opinion. No other horse that had like a 90 buyer even going in. So this field is so much tougher than his last field. So you see a grade two win easily. Wow, that's great. I just think it was not as great. Maybe third off the layoff or, or you know, third away from service. He's improving off whatever medication he was getting. I can see him winning it. The one other thing about Frenzy Fire, he's a Belmont lover. He loves Belmont. Not that he doesn't like Saratoga. He runs fine there. But, um, again, I, I just can make a case for him. But I just think Volatile has a speed. He's faster than these horses. Class test, I can understand trying to beat him. He's going to be a short price. I'm just going to use Volatile in my pick five. And in my bets, I'm going to go four with the one five. Volatile over Lexitonian and Mind Control. Uh, GQ, if you have anything to add, feel free. I know you're uh, getting work stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Eric. I, <laughs> That's okay. I saw you busy there. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're only doing a podcast. Do other stuff. Okay. Don't worry about it. Hey, Eric, if you, get, if you get tired of uh, the teaching gig, I think you ought to run for Senate in New York. <laughs> You'd be great filibuster. <laughs> <laughs> you told me I got to pick up the slack for you. You had a busy week. I'm trying to pick up the slack, and now you're knocking me for it. All right. All right. So here, here, here's my cliff notes of the race. Um, and Vol Volatile hasn't proven himself, obviously. He looks like a great horse, great speed figures. But the thing is, is another four horses, who's going to go to the lead? Who's going to challenge him on the lead? Nobody. So like you <laughs> said, a horse who goes on the lead, you know, he, he's going to look great if he's not pressed. So it, I'm not in love with the horse based on his history. I, you know, I haven't looked back to see uh, the horses that he dusted in these hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> well, strike that. One thing to note: strike that is running Friday at Saratoga. He'd be strike that easily. So check out how strike that did. If you want, I, to me, it's not that big of a deal because. But, but anyway. here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. In, in any race, even if a horse 
doesn't have the class speed rules and you know i i've bet on horses that have quit every single race whenever they they're, they're they get head to head with a horse and and we all know it as horse players you know lone speed is dangerous and this is six furlongs i don't see anybody going out with this horse right out of the gate and you know hey uh Boy, I'm really going out of limb here, but I'd single him in. in uh, <laughs> yeah, so, I, I think we're on the same page there. I can see Friends Fire has gone out to the lead uh, or, or pressed the pace. When there appears to be lone speed in the past in his races, he's right. pressed the pace. So I can see him going. But again, I try not to judge pace because you never know what's going to happen. But I assume that like uh, Volatile will have a, I don't know, easy lead, but he'll be on the lead. So. It looks that way. All right. So the last last race on Saturday. All right. I was shocked when I saw the morning line because I thought I was going to pick a horse who was going to be eight to five, two to one range, maybe five to two at most. And I like this horse a, a significant amount. And that's the five timeless journey. He's listed at four to one. I think he'll be a little shorter. I hope not. If that's four to one is right, I'm, I'm all over this horse. He's coming out of a maiden special weight. And I think those are uh, valuable drops that made in special weight to made in claiming. A lot of people say when it's state bred like New York, it's not as big of a drop to the made in claiming because $40,000 for a New York bread is, is a significant amount of money. But New York breads run well. They run for so much money now that I think, I think it still is a, a significant drop. The other, um, in July 2nd, a few of the horses are coming out of that July 2nd race. Not, not Timeless Journey, other horses. A horse named Apollo Abraxas, I think, won that race. And he was dropping out of mating. Uh, especially to claim he looked terrible otherwise and he won easily so that that drop is a, a big deal this horse had trouble uh his last race um he was squeezed out of the game he lost several lengths um this is a horse that i i think improving second out for clement i'm almost worried about the fact that they're dropping him but clement wins i'm, I'm not that worried about that uh, i try not to read into things when i handicap that i don't know that i'm just guessing I'd rather use things that I, I know, like I'm looking at the form, I'm looking at the race, that I know. I can't judge why they're dropping him uh, other than to get a win. But I think this horse is a really, really big shot in this race. Um, the other horses that I'd be interested in, or my second horse would be the four her ways. This is one where maybe my heart is saying more than my head, and, and that's not good when you're betting. I liked his November 17th race, his first start. And he was a three-year-old. He didn't get started until November, so maybe he had some issues. And in that race, he sat off a very hot pace. It doesn't look it, but it was uh, on that turf course. He got to the lead uh, around the stretch, and he faded. But that was a race where closers dominated for the most part, and being up on the pace didn't help. He basically made an early move. I really liked that race first out. So last time he ran, I really liked him. Uh, I bet her ways. This is another example, though, where that horse was 9-5 to five in the race, her ways. And that was just too short. So I used in the pick five, it was the last race of the day. I used her ways in one other horse. I can't remember who, but it wasn't the winner. Uh, Apollos Abraxas, I know that. And um, the horse didn't run much. However, the horse had some trouble early. It's hard to tell it head on because there's an angle if you watch the replay. It's not a straight head on, but it looks like the horse got cut off. If you watch the pan view, definitely like checked a little early and pulled back. So the horse had a bad start. I think it's a horse that wants to be close to the lead anyway. So I think there were some problems there early. At the end, Joel Rosario riding the horse didn't even push the horse. He whipped the horse once or twice in the stretch, but basically it was just like hand riding, almost standing up. And the horse was making up ground, granted, from 20 lengths back to 
uh, 10 lengths back, or whatever that is, 13 lengths to 11 lengths. But I think with the layoff that he had, or she had, the trouble early that took her out of her position, I'm basically going to toss that last race. I think it's a legitimate excuse or, or excuses. So if I toss that last race, this horse is coming off a race I really like, that November 17th race. And I think the horse has a shot. When I saw 8-1, to one, I liked it even more. So this is a horse that I would definitely try and include. So I'm 8-4. There's a few other uh, – 5-4, I'm sorry. There's a few others I would look at, but I'll let you speak. And if we have time, I'll, I'll cover a couple others. Well, the, the interesting thing about Timeless Journey, uh, it, good news and bad news. Bad news is the horse that ran second in that race, two cents Tootsie, came back yesterday and ran fifth uh, at five to one. But the good news is the horse that ran third, Crescent Lady, came back yesterday and won in that race at ten to one. So yeah. uh, that, that's uh, I'd say that's good news for uh, Timeless Journey. Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm not as a big a fan of looking at things like that. I'm not saying it's not important. A lot of people do it, so I don't blame you. But you never know. Maybe maybe. Two cents. I mean, we saw the race, but maybe the horse two cents he had a bad trip, and he was the best horse in that race. Maybe he dueled a, a, a four to five shot, and, and they kind of killed each other. So, just because the horse came back to one, a lot of people kind of, I think, overstate that. But like you said, it's not a bad thing at all. So uh, I can't right. blame you if you feel that way. Yeah, they, um, I'm only going to mention three horses in here that uh, you know I'd probably use Timeless Journey as well. So maybe I'd go four deep and, and all of them are prices only because of different things. Uh, the, the two horse, again, this horse looks like he loves half, half the time. He's, he's seven times in the money out of 14 starts, you know, no wins. Has, has the highest Brisnet turf uh, number of this bunch. Uh, the good thing is, is both last year he he ran twice at this level at uh, on the Saratoga lawn, ran second and third. So you know he can get the trip. Uh, but uh, that last one, uh, I'm not going to put too much credence. I don't like when a horse comes back and uh, he's not bad. If you look at the 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 odds, you know there's no reason why he should shouldn't have been you know, lower than 13 to one that day. I, I think people see the, a couple things. Number one, they saw he was over 13. So they don't like that. And secondly, his dirt form was so bad that I think they saw the low dirt numbers and that influenced them. That would not influence me at all. I actually like that because you get more value because dirt is a different surface and horses run different. But I think that exactly. would explain the price plus a little way off too. Exactly. Um, so, so I'd give him a look. Uh, I also like the seven horse. That is, if there's no um, entries in this race. No, you're right. Um, Rovia. I, I, um, I, I kind of like the fact that the, the the comment. I didn't see the the uh, replay where it says no room down the lane. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like the fact that for his debut last November, they wanted to start him off on the turf, but it was taken off. I always like like that fact. And he came back, and for no good reason, he was, uh, you know, bet a little, little better when he came back. And he had, he had a slight excuse. So uh, nine to two isn't the greatest price, but uh, you know, still four-year-old against some three-year-olds. Yeah, I'm not against Brovia. Brovia's actually my third horse, but I'm not going to go that deep in my horizontal bets. Brovia, the last race. Here's here's something that I find fascinating. When horses get in trouble, it's kind of obvious, and you can watch the replay, and I watched it. He got stuck on the rail, 
it definitely hurt him. He wasn't winning the race, but it hurt him a little. Maybe he would have got a length or two closer. But when horses save ground, that makes up several lengths often. So maybe he lost a length or two on the trouble, but the fact he saved ground the whole way kind of offsets that, in my opinion. So, yeah, he had trouble, but it's offset by the ground saving. He's fine. Uh, I, the reason I like him more than the trouble, because I said the, the saving ground kind of offsets that for me, is second off a layoff, I'm a big James Bond fan, so that's one reason as well. His horse is going to step forward. So I, I can see the horse doing better. He's only 0 for 2, where a lot of these are 0 for 14, 0 for 13, 0 for 9, 0 for 5. So definitely room for improvement there. Was there anyone else you wanted to mention? Yeah, so, so the last horse that well, I probably like the most in here, and he's the biggest, uh, not the biggest price, but he's 8 to 1, is Frenchy Fru-Fru. You just uh, like the, the name, I think. <laughs> yeah, the 11 horse. The, the fact of the matter is uh, in June – he debuted in state level on the dirt, sprinting on the dirt, and uh, they claimed him out of that race. So uh, um, for some reason, maybe they, they knew that, hey, we like this horse on the uh, turf. He certainly should uh, move forward on the turf, and he actually did, came, came off the pace. And, you know, with toneless as a sire and elusive quality as, as the damn sire, horse He's going to love the added distance. So uh, for a price, um, I think he's definitely going to improve off that last race. Junior Alvarado stays on him. And, yeah, yeah, not not much. He didn't have any trouble. But uh, I think he's going to get a better trip. Well, my favorite jockey, perhaps, Junior Alvarado, I love. My nemesis uh, trainer, Gary Siaka. <laughs> Back in the 90s, Siaka and Chavez on the grass was a, a great combination. I don't know if uh, Junior rides for him much. I guess he does a little bit, but not too much. Uh, that horse did get pinched at the start, so it definitely hurt uh, last race. Um, he lost several lengths, probably about three lengths, I estimated, at the start with that bad uh, trouble. And it wasn't really his fault that he got pinched. If it's his own fault, I, I could say, well, maybe it'll happen again, but it was kind of circumstantial. One thing you'll like is Magical Romance came in fourth in that race, and Magical Romance came back to beat the 10 at the same level uh, on July 12th. So fourth-place horse came back to win. So that's a positive. Who knows on the stretch out, like you said, bread to go long. So maybe he'll go long. Uh, he'll be able to go long. I, I can see the 11 winning. He would be like my fifth horse, something like that. I don't love, but definitely can see him winning. Gary Siaka, quick story. Um, this is about whew, maybe 20 years ago, probably around the year 2000. Um, friend of mine, we were at Aqueduct. Actually, I might not have been with him that day. And he's alive for big money in a pick three. Um, I forgot the exact amount, but it had to be about $4,000, $3,000, something like that. And the last leg, a Gary Siaka horse beat him, and his horse came in second for like three grand. So Gary Siaka beat him. Anyway, he goes to King Umberto's. I don't know if you heard of that, but it's like an Italian place right around the corner or down the block, I should say, a couple of blocks from Belmont, very good Italian place. And he sees Gary Siaka at King Umberto's. Now, according to my friend, he said it very civilly. He said, hi, Mr. Siaka. Uh, congratulations on the last race, even though you just beat me out of $5,000. And I don't know, am I allowed to curse on the uh, podcast? Is it a G-rated podcast? Yeah, better keep it rated. All right, I'll, I'll keep it G-rated. But he said uh, the F word back to my friend, and good, I'm glad. So <laughs> now my friend tends to drink a little bit, so he might not remember the story exactly right as far as what he said, but I'm sure the Gary Siaka part was right. Um, but yeah, the 11 horse could win. He's, he's not a bad horse, uh, potentially, um, closing should like to stretch out. I assume 
sometimes those sprint closers don't stretch out. The only other horse I, I would really want to mention is the six horse. I actually am surprised by the morning line, and it makes me question my decision. Um, I thought the six horse might be like four to one or seven to two morning line and end up going shorter. It's a horse also dropping from uh, maiden special weight to maiden claiming. However, he's been running, uh, she's been running on the dirt. Now she's on the turf for Pletcher. Jose Ortiz, good connections. If the horse is above six to one, it's probably cold on the board and, and not worth using maybe, but uh, I can see this horse doing something. I actually was leaving this horse out simply because I thought it would be a short price because we did this before we saw the morning line. So now I'm a little uh, nervous leaving him out at, or her out at six to one, but that horse has a shot because that drop uh, means something to me. And uh, the only other horse I think I have a shot in the eight and 10. The eight goes at them, uh, five-year-old already. His last, her last turf race was pretty good. She was in that same race as, I want to get the name right, Her Ways, back in November 17th. This horse also was a little too close to a pace that collapsed, so, and she hung on for third. So she ran a pretty good race. You don't think it's a five-year-old. I don't know how much better she is now than she was where Her Ways, that was her first start, and I think she could be better now. That's why I prefer Her Ways over Go Zappum. And the 10, I think, has an outside shot, too. Um, two back, I like that race going long. I mean, as much as you can like a race that a horse loses by 20 lengths. But the horse um, chased a really hot pace at Tampa against Open Company. Not sure if the Tampa race there equates to a state-bred maiden claimer, New York-bred. I'm not really sure how to equate it. I have to look at the field a little more carefully. But the horse did chase a, a hot pace and understandably faded. Came back and won a decent race, six furlongs. We'll have speed. Kendrick is an aggressive rider, one of the few in New York. So I can see uh, this horse uh, doing something potentially. But I'm just going to go with the 4-5 uh, the there. So we talked about constructing tickets. So here's what I would do in the pick five. Um, I, I look, where am I going to take a stand? Well, I'd like to take a stand in the last race with the five, but I, I just feel I can't leave out the four at that price, a horse I like. So in that race, I'm going 4-5. I'm not going to try and beat Volatile. I normally, if there's a horse who is under even money, I rarely will bet a pick five singling that horse or using that horse. I'll either bet against it just for the value or I won't make the bet. In this case, I'm not going to try and beat the horse. I'm going to hope that it's four to five is accurate and it's not a, a two to five or one to five shot. Again, it's pick fives, but similar value wise. I'm hoping people will, will use others as well. I don't think so, but I'm hoping, but I, I'm not going to try and beat that horse. Um, so I'm just going four there. Uh, so if I go through the sequence, um, eight, nine in the first leg. That's that Linda Rice, nine horse, Montauk, Daddy, I believe his name, and, and the Chad Brown, eight horse. I'm going to go all in the second leg. That's race eight. I'm going to go five deep in the next leg. So that's race nine, two, three, four, five, seven. I'm going to single volatile the four in race 10 and use four, five in the last race. That's an $80 ticket. Now, I have too much chalk on there, I realize. I, I don't like using that much chalk because I could potentially have the favorite every race. I don't have the morning line favorite every race, but I could potentially have the favorite. I'm going to press that ticket. I know a lot of people like that ABC method. Uh, DRF is known for it. I want to say Steve Chris. Um, I, I just think it's not very good. Listen, you can believe these handicappers. Maybe you think they know more than me, who am I, a guy doing a podcast. But you're just betting against yourself. You're wasting money on tickets that can't win. You, you can't hit them all. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'd rather just pick and choose my pick fives and go deeper in the ones I feel strong about or feel are going to pay a lot. But I like to press my tickets, uh, especially in pick fours. Pick fives sometimes are hard because I don't have an unlimited budget here. But if I'm betting $80 in my pick five, I'm then going to cut it down. I'm going to stick with the eight, nine in the first leg. I'm just going to use a one, eight in the second. 
and just the five seven in the third. The rest of the ticket is the same. So again, first leg eight nine. The last leg is four five. I'm gonna single volatile, but I'm gonna use one eight in race eight and five seven in race nine. So the ticket looks like eight nine with one eight with five seven with four with four five. That's only an eight dollar ticket for fifty cents. And personally, I would bet that several times. I might do five dollars on it. I might do two dollars on it. Uh, it really depends uh, how strongly I feel about it. But that's how I would do it. Press my main bet. So if they come in, I'm going to make more money. If not, hopefully I'll hit it for fifty cents. Um, I do have some prices. So potentially, if that nine Montauk Daddy wins, if I can catch a a, a price in the all race. Uh, Steal a fan for life is a price. Even that I ride horse in, in race nine, I like is six to one morning line could be a price. So. Uh, an eight to one in the last race. So potentially could pay a lot. I always want to make a bet that at least potentially can pay a lot. Again, I, I probably would not advise using uh, all the chalk, but um, I think I have enough prices and, and left out enough chalks like the chat in the first, the other chat in the first set, to justify the ticket. Um, I don't know. I, I know we were catching you uh, at a tough time here. Do you have any thoughts on either an actual ticket or who you build it around at all? Well, you know, all I'll say is I, I agree with you based on my prediction of volatile being, you know, being able to just go gate the wire without much trouble. Uh, so, so now you've cut it down to a pick four type of ticket, you know, as far as expense goes. Of, of the other four races, the eighth race, I, I can cut it down to three. I'd cut it down to the, 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 the three par parsimony, the six prioritize and the seven. <laughs> and, and then um uh, the other three races it's up to it's up to you how how deep you want to go as far as your ticket you can use four horses in the other three races and it's a 96 hour ticket if you want to go four deep in one and maybe even five deep in like the, the ninth race where you went all and i'm not that confident in the 11th race so maybe you go, um, you know, four by three, by, by five, by one, by five, that's $150. So whatever your budget is, you just work around it and you just build the ticket from how thin you go in a race to the races where, you know, you figure it's a toss up and you want more coverage. So um, with that, you know, um, I think that, 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 that's, that does it for this week. Yeah, I think we're good. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed. Sorry, we had a few technical difficulties. Hopefully it didn't come out that badly, but I appreciate you guys listening. If you can spread the word to anyone, we really appreciate it. Uh, we love some feedback too. I know a lot of you uh, see us on Twitter. Feel free to write back or DM on Twitter or, or those who I talk to uh, from Wasabi. Feel free to yeah, give, share give any your ideas. Give your Twitter handle. I'm at Horse Racing Nut and Error. You think I know my at? Twitter handle? You think I would know it, right? I think it's Bandit uh, BB. Yeah, it's something with bandits in it. I made it like eight years ago, and I don't. I'm not a big Twitter guy. I'm trying to become more of a, a presence. Bandits BB, B A N D I T S. Bandits BB. The two letters BB. That's my Twitter handle, apparently. So, um, love the feedback. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening, GQ. Thank you. I know it's a busy time for you. I'm kind of off now, so it's easy for me to do all this work and stuff. But for you, you're, you're still working and getting this in. So great job, and I appreciate it. Yep. And Good luck to, to everybody over the weekend. And uh, keep, keep uh, checking out those replays. You know, that's where you're going to find your value.
Absolutely. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care.